This podcast is sponsored by LiveProducersOnline.com, a community of Ableton Live users connecting you to the pros to learn today's music production. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Ableton Music Producer Podcast. This is your host, Dan Giffen, like always. Uh, Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to give you a heads up. If you don't own Ableton Live 10 Suite or Standard, now is the chance. Uh, If you go to a link in the show notes or just visit liveproducersonline.com slash buyableton, liveproducersonline.com slash buyableton, then you can own your very own copy of Ableton Live 10 Suite or Standard for the cheapest that you will ever find it. And uh, yeah, just click that link and then you can see how much you can save, which saving money is always a good day. And I am super humbled and blessed and thankful and stoked for our guest today, Sylvia Massey. If you don't know who she is, you're probably living in a closet. Uh, She is an amazing person. She is a very well-known audio engineer. Uh, She is famous for adventure recording, like tracking artists in really unconventional places like submarines or icebergs or caves. She travels all over the world. She's recorded in castles and records artists in some really cool places. Uh, She's most well-known for engineering for really well-known artists like Prince, Aerosmith, Tool, Johnny Cash, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Smashing Pumpkins, Tom Petty. We could probably go on for another hour just listing her credits. She has been a huge influence for me personally with uh, mixing and audio engineering, so I am really grateful and humbled to have her on the podcast today. I made this little list of questions and things I'd like to pick your brain on, and one of them was, what were some of the things you saw this year at NAMM that was like, ooh, this is nice, or something interesting? So uh, at NAMM this year, I do really like what SSL is doing, bringing back their analog large format console. So that's kind of cool. And then I really enjoy uh, some of the new microphone um, designs that I saw. I'm a big fan of Aston Mics, which is a, mm. a UK brand. And they have the Stealth, which is doing well for them. It won a tech award this year. And okay. um, and then there's a Lewitt mic that I saw that I hadn't seen before, um, which is very exciting. Uh, and I'm going to try it out here Um in a session in a couple weeks. Uh, and right then like, I love Genelec monitoring. Um, I use Genelec monitoring and they have a new, uh, sub, um, uh, system that, that I was very interested to hear for okay. the first time. Yeah. Okay. Those are some of the things I saw at NAM this right year, on. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I love Aston mics. Aston makes some really good affordable stuff. They're, uh, their one microphone, I, I don't know exactly what, I think it's the Spirit. Yeah. It's called the Spirit. Yeah, that thing, I um, AB'd that against a U87, and I liked it better. I know, for vo- right? For male vocals, yeah, yeah, it was nice. Not only that, but they're built like tanks. Uh, you know, I do adventure recording. It's something that I do where I'll take a client out uh, and do something really wacky and wonderful with them in, in recording, and... So for this uh, artist, Hydroform, uh, we took one of the Aston mics and got a bunch of Tannerite. And we wanted but... to record the sound of a cannon, um, a cannon blowing up, you know, like a, a cannon shot. Yeah. So we, we got a big uh, uh, metal barrel and put, loaded the Tannerite in it, put the mic down in it, the, the Aston, and blew it up. I mean, it was <laughs> We had to we had to go like a, you know, uh, a quarter mile away just to yeah. get out of 
on fire. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and uh, and it recorded it great, and it, there wasn't a scratch on the mic. <laughs> That's wild. That's yeah, crazy. So I would say like you're well known for just doing crazy stunts like that with all kinds of stuff, like recording castles and icebergs and caves and all kinds of crazy stuff. Would you say that was like one of the most out of the box things you've recorded? Because that sounds pretty intense. Well, that was fun, but there's oh, there's so many things that this the last year I recorded a band in a in a three thousand year old Etruscan tomb in you know outside of Rome. That was Whoa. pretty intense. That's awesome. Um, there was bats. Um, and then uh, one of my other favorite ones, there's a couple other favorite ones. I, uh, I did a recording in a nuclear a cooling tower at, at Satsop, which yes, was. Uh, I saw that. that. That came out great, too. The recording is <laughs> really, you never know when you do weird things like this, if it's going to yeah. work out. Oh, totally. But that was a great recording. And another one was in the, in the London Underground in a, a subway, an abandoned subway station called um, Aldwych. Uh, we set up a band called Goddamn and recorded the drums and guitar and vocals down there. And it came out great. And we used it on the final album. You know that, So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I've, yeah. I've thrown cars off of cliffs and some, you know, with just, <laughs> results you know which is unfortunate yeah. because you destroy a guitar and then you got nothing really great to show for it yeah um, no that's awesome it's like an episode of Mythbusters. it's like if you throw a guitar or off of a cliff like is it going to sound better or not we don't know it's like sylvia massey edition <laughs> no one of my favorite hi-hats i ever recorded was a duck in my backyard oh and, uh, yeah it turned out really nice put an ott on it and just some eq and delay it was nice did you play the duck or was it a natural duck? I mean, no, it was, it was a, a nat it was a natural duck. Yeah. There was a bunch of them in my backyard just hanging out and I just hung a microphone off the back of my balcony and just kind of let it go and I got a good quack. And then I just oh, kind of nice. threw that in a drum rack in Ableton Live and compressed it. It was nice. It was nice. Played it back. It was good. I've played a chicken before because you can take a chicken and mic the chicken and then squeeze the chicken <laughs> at a certain part in the song and it will you know, it's like a chicken solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have that really great graphic on how to mic a chicken. Because um, I, I know from experience how to mic a chicken. Right. Yeah, no, it's definitely a rare art skill. It's nice. There's uh, not a lot of people out there who know how to properly mic those. Actually, the first time I heard about you was years ago. You came through um, the Lodge Recording Studios in Indianapolis, which is where I'm at right now. And you did a workshop there. Yeah. And and yeah, that's when I first started teaching at their academy. And and then I heard about you and I looked you up and I was like, this this is awesome. Like, you really know what you're doing. They've done a lot of really cool things with a lot of artists. How did you, I guess, how did you get started with the whole audio engineering thing? Like, where did that start with you? Well, it started in radio. I, I, uh, I well, you know, I was a, a big music fan growing up and then college radio was uh, my escape from schoolwork basically in college. So I would hang out at the station and then I got my own on air time slot and I would play my favorite music. Um, and, but then I, uh, I, I started getting into the commercial aspect of, you know, actually getting a job in commercial radio. And I did get several commercial jobs and, and uh, it kind of takes the fun out of it because it's not about music. It's about advertising. 
So I did learn how to use all the uh, equipment in the in the production uh, studio uh, for for the radio stations that I worked at. And through that, I was able to do my own music. And then uh, that turned out well enough that other people started hiring me to record their projects, too. So that's kind of how I started is just a kind of a grassroots thing. Um, I didn't go to school for it, honestly. Uh, there weren't really schools when I started out. Started out so there, there were broadcast uh, courses, and, but there was not a a real uh you know recording program at any university when i when i was starting out yeah so that's how i started um i jumped into recording uh in san francisco at commercial studios there doing music recording and um and i had some success uh to the point where i decided if i really wanted to make it i'd had to go to go to la so i moved to Los Angeles and basically had to start over uh, and uh, eventually got a job um, in a, um, a really quite quite well-equipped studio called Larrabee Sound. And that's where I connected with Rick Rubin and Prince. I worked with Prince there for three years yeah. and did other mixes for like Aerosmith and um, really got connected into um, the, the industry there. And then leapt off of that into my own productions, which started with Tool, which was a local band at the at that time in in um, L.A. Yeah. There was scene, there was a big scene there in L.A. for a while with, uh, you know, Rage Against the Machine and Tool and um, mm. a bunch of great bands. Yeah, all these small bands. <laughs> it turned out they did okay for themselves. Yeah, That's they, cool. Um, and you're speaking at Loop this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. I can, about that. Yeah, no, totally. I'll, I'll also be there. Um, and I've never been to Berlin, have you? Yes, I have. And it's one of my favorite places because it's just full of alternative art. You know, it's just a, mm -hmm. a place that's, uh, you won't find this type of creativity anywhere else on Earth. It's, it's a, quite a unique place. And so it's the perfect yeah. place for, for Loop. And I'm excited to be there. Yeah, for sure. Without going into too much detail, can you share what you're going to talk about? Well, there's a couple really important things that are happening right now uh, for me. And um, besides the, the idea of adventure recording, which I want to talk about, and I have a lot to, um, to share as far as that goes, um, I've just, with my partner, uh, Chris, we purchased the world's largest vintage microphone collection wow congrats thought, that's pretty yeah, cool yeah it's a million dollars worth of mics and it, and i thought i knew a lot about microphones but in fact uh, it's i'm having to start over because <laughs> there's so much in this collection that i never even imagined um i would be learning about and because this collection starts from the beginning of microphones uh, uh, up to basically the technology hasn't changed a whole lot since the seventies. So from, you know, the 18, uh, 1870s to the 1970s, uh, there's a, a span of a hundred years worth of, uh, microphone technology that, um, that we have here in this collection and about 1800 mics. And as I'm, and we're still inventorying the collection because it came in two full semi trucks to our place oh, here. Oh, wow. That's a lot yeah. of mics. It's, a, it's so much, and we, we haven't even gotten halfway through it yet. Um, <sighs> so 
during the inventories, I've been, uh, I'd pull out a piece and then I would research it and then I would find out, oh my God, this is extremely important. Can I show you just a couple? I've got them right yeah, here. Yeah, no, please do. This is awesome. A lot of the listeners won't be able to necessarily see them, but I'm excited. This is cool. Yeah, this is really dope. Hang on a second. I'm, right, I'm coming right back. The exclusive sneak peek. <laughs> well, okay, so I want to show you just a few of these mics. This is one that really caught me by surprise. And it's just this little wooden box. What? That has what? a hinge and it has a hole in the front and there's a hinge and you open it up. And when when I first unwrapped it, I opened it up and it's empty. And I'm like, well, someone stole all the guts out of this. If it's a mic, I couldn't yeah. even tell. It looks yeah. like maybe, right? It looks but like a jewelry box or something. Like. Yeah, it looks like a jewelry box with a hole in the front. But then then Chris looks at it and goes, no, 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 that's that's the element. And then there's this like stick in it. There's a stick. <laughs> and I was, what do you mean? Well, apparently, this is a carbon pencil. And in the 18, in 1878, uh, David Edward Hughes made this microphone, uh, de developed this microphone. It's a microphone. And you would yell at this stick. What? And yeah, and it vibrates, and then you have a lead coming off the top and the cough coming off the bottom, and it's amplified with batteries with a six volt wow. battery. And this is one of the earliest microphones that was ever made. That is about as vintage as you can yeah. possibly get. Two years after Alexander Graham Bell made the liquid transmitter, um, this was what uh, Hughes made. And wow. so this, I, I couldn't believe what I was. Uh, and and you know That's what I was real. at a session. I was at a session a couple weeks ago at East West in LA, and I brought that thing with me, and I hooked it up, and we recorded with it, and it works. <laughs> what did it sound like? That's crazy. Well, it sounds like crap. You know, it sounds like well, it sounds like okay, it sounds like 1870. All right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Very That's, far away. <laughs> yeah. Who needs bit crushers or tape emulations when you've got the real thing? I mean, look at that thing. That's that's prehistoric. It's absolutely prehistoric. And then, uh, and then, okay, here's another. This is an oddball mic that that uh, I I looked at it. I was like, well, it's a cool design. It's kind of on a looks like a lamp base, and it has the call letters W R N Y. And I was like, well, okay. I, I thought I would just look up. Well, what is W R N Y? Because this the man who who did uh, collect all these mics, each piece was important in some way. So I had to figure out, well, W-R-N-Y must be uh, really important. So I looked it up. It stands for uh, W-R-N-Y is uh, Rome, New York. And it hmm. was New York's New York City's first radio station. This is in like 1932, 31 or something. They started broadcasting and awesome. and uh, awesome. a fellow named Hugo Gernsback was the guy who um, uh, that was his station. And Hugo Gernsback became famous for for creating. He was a publisher and he did uh, he did amazing stories, which was like a the Pulp Fiction. It's the the first yeah. Pulp Fiction. And so he was the wow. uh, the oddball who create who created Pulp Fiction and science fiction, basically. So there's like a whole science fiction story behind this one microphone. It's crazy. And then, oh my God, there's How much this does that weigh? That thing looks like a tank. 
yeah, it's it's big and and really heavy. It almost it almost kind of looks like one of those space heaters outside that you see at a restaurant, like hanging down over you. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> Look at this thing! It looks like a periscope on a ship. Yeah, it really does. Right. And this is from NBC. This is an early NBC uh, mic made oh, by uh, RCA. That that one, I just love how it looks. It's so heavy. This one is just, now this is an oddball. It's a ribbon, and it's for WLW. I looked up, what is WLW? Well, that was a station in Cincinnati, Ohio, which at one point was the the most powerful radio station in the country. And it was, uh, it was, um, uh, started by a fellow named uh, Crosby, right? Crosby was his first yeah. name Bing. Crosley. Oh, Crosley. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, also made. He went on to make radios, which are really super famous uh, radios. Like you can find Crosleys for sale. They're like these Bakelite, beautiful shapes and everything. Crosley radios are really desirable, American-made. Uh, radios and then he went on to make cars there he made a whole line of cars crosley wow. cars that's quite anyway, the entrepreneur so, right oh and here's the other crosley look at this gigantic mic here another crosley from wlw anyway wow. so that's enough because our our listeners can't even see what we're doing here. <laughs> we've come a long way in audio uh, engineering for sure yeah. that's pretty wild so you can imagine uh that they're very they're they're very unusual designs they uh uh, are big and heavy and um and they're each one of them is is very important on its own so i'm having at the time of my life there's 1800 of these each one has a story that's and wild so on the whole thing it's so exciting for me so, so are you, that you're gonna open uh, up I'll a museum because you totally could yeah it we are opening up a museum we have to that's uh, awesome but uh, I'll be talking uh, uh, at, at um, Loop uh, a lot about this this collection and vintage mics in general, just because mm -hmm. it's such a fun fun uh, uh, subject, and we'll be able to uh, look at a few. I'll bring a few with me to yeah. uh, Berlin. Yeah, that's, maybe that's I'll really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring them, bring all right. of them. I'd love to play yeah. with those. Those are really cool. Yeah. yeah, I feel really spoiled. Like honestly. Like the whole, I've been an in the box type of person for most of my life, just because that's all I've ever really known. And uh, since eight years ago, I started getting into mixing and things like that. But, you know, kind of as like the world of plugins and software engineering has really become a thing, allowing, you know, people in their bedrooms to get that quality radio sound these days. So I'm curious to pick your brain. Like when it comes to analog versus software for even microphone emulations, how often do you find yourself doing that balance between the two? Are you like mostly always analog or do you find that you like to dabble in the software side too when it comes to emulations for even microphones or just like plugins for mixing? Like where's that balance for you? Well, I do quite a bit of hybrid uh, recording and mixing. In particular with mixing, I'll, uh, I will incorporate uh, plugins and and the first plugins that I replaced my hardware with uh, have been the reverb plugins. As soon as the technology was good enough um, that I could put away, uh, you know, the boxes in my rack, uh, I'm very very happy with Valhalla reverbs. Um, and so 
It, there's a whole suite of reverbs uh, with Valhalla that that I use um, in my mixes. Mm. I still mm-hmm. will sum the uh, uh, basically stems. Well, I'll sum that all those stems out of the box and through a summing mixer. So I do use analog in that sense, and that and that will help with the 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 kind of the mushing it all together at the final stage of the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm still using analog in that way. I, I find that my, uh, recording has not changed, um, as much, uh, because of the, the plugins. I don't use plugins in recording at all, uh, except for, you know, uh, monitoring with reverb. Um, I will always use hardware compression. Uh, if I'm going to use a compressor on a mic, I use hardware, um, my preamplifiers, and I tend to gravitate towards the vintage, uh, vintage Neve mic preamplifiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll EQ on the way in and commit. And I've and I'm still of the of the idea that um, it's much better to commit and to to kind of pre-mix as you're recording so you know what you're going to get at the end instead Mm of uh, just gathering, just instead of collecting data, which I think a lot of people do, you know, with, uh, uh, I do have um, mics that that I use with uh, um, software emulations, but but I prefer to choose the microphone that's that's suited for the effect I'm trying to get. And that's where the fun with all these vintage mics comes in, because if I want to get an old timey sound, I know, I'll, I'll pick a, a particular mic that will give me that kind of effect instead yeah. of yeah. trying to emulate it later. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, I can't change things after they've been committed, but that might be a good thing, you know, uh, because other, you know, uh, I think one of the most important things to remember in production is that you're really not a producer unless you finish something. <laughs> it's a, a lot yeah. You know, and there's, there's a, you know, you could keep working on something indefinitely, especially if you allow yourself to. So if you give yourself some restrictions and kind of put, uh, put some fences up around, you know, what you're able to do, that, that you, you're more likely to get finished and to move on to the next thing. Because uh, I think it's more about quantity and the quality is relative to the listener. And yeah. so... So yeah. you, you can get it to where just where you like it and move on. Get get something <laughs> else. You know, don't don't right. uh, anger and don't like stress on these little details that really don't make that much of a difference. Yeah, that's honestly I think some of the best mixing advice I could ever hear. You know, for me and a lot of other people out there, you get into that dark room and you're in a little cave at home. And you've heard the same thing that you started producing from scratch over and over. And then you don't even know what's up or down anymore. And you start contemplating life and you're like, I've been <laughs> playing with a snare and I've accomplished nothing. You know, I mean, it's easy to get to that place. So, yeah, I guess mixing really is subjective to the listener, like you said. So I mean, totally agree with that 100 yeah. percent and keep your sanity and <laughs> just move on. Yeah. But fun to move on i mean because you grow let yourself grow you know because the next thing will be different and then then the next thing beyond that will be different and and so yeah you're allowing yourself to grow totally 
I mean, you mentioned, I'm just really curious because I feel like this is becoming a bigger thing, what I've seen in the industry the last few years, as far as microphone emulations. Are there any specific mic emulation software companies out there that you've played with that you really like or you found to be worthy of using? Well, sure. The VMS one by Slate, I mm-hmm. really like. I think that uh, they've done an excellent job. And the... the uh, the sphere, the to- the uh, uh, Townsend, Townsend, Townsend. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, I know you're talking about. Sphere. That's a very, very exciting uh, new mic that I'm uh, excited, um, uh, yeah. very interested in, and and I'm also in talks with um, Townsend about, um, you know, uh, doing emulations of some of this this collection here. Yeah be a really fun thing to have uh to be able to to because there's so few of these mics around you can't possibly have all the the flavors that that available so uh this might be a way that anybody can use these um these uh these colors in their palette that would be amazing i fully endorse that idea that they looked pretty cool what about a universal audio I know that they've been getting deeper into the microphone emulations as well, the Ocean Way. Right, and you know, I'm interested in that, but I haven't tried it yet. Okay, yeah. I haven't played with it much either, but I can imagine it's probably okay. I have to play with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what is your setup when you're going into these crazy places, you're climbing into like castles and icebergs and submarines? Like what, what do you take with you to, to record? Like how does, like are you just bringing an interface and a couple mics or... No, I have a very specific uh, set um, that I pack into suitcases, and the kind of the centerpiece is um, a little recorder called a Sound Devices uh, Mix Pre 10, and it has eight mic pre's in it, and it's just this little box that I put on a strap around my neck, and it hides under my coat. That's so, crazy. in essence, I can do some guerrilla recording that <laughs> trouble. I, I I was working with a punk rocker in um, where were we in uh, Dresden uh, in Germany, and we snuck into the the uh, the uh, uh, big art museum there and, with our recording rig, and we did nice. vocals. <laughs> Nobody had any idea, just undercover. Oh, no, they figured it out after you know, and then they did followed us around until we left, but. Uh, we did get the recording done, and it was great. But yeah, <laughs> the sound devices, I I'll use that, and I and it has a you know eight mic pre's plus phantom power. It's completely standalone, like battery operated. It it will work with Pro Tools or on its own with a, a multi track recorder built in its own mm. software. Uh, so that thing is oh, a miracle. So yeah, I can do. Um, uh, I can do, you know, uh, 60 tracks in there uh, with uh, six mic pre's. And um, and so I can go anywhere now and plan on it. I think uh, the plan this year, if I can get my client to commit, is to <laughs> we're going to Chernobyl and we're going to record um, there uh, with, the, with the sound devices and uh, a suitcase full of microphones. So we'll see if that works and we'll see if we survive. That's very cool. Yeah. What's the name of that box again that you're talking about? That device? Sound devices. It's an American company and okay. it's called Mix Pre 10. Most of the, the film industry uses it on uh, for field um, recording, 
but okay. it's lesser known for music recording, but it's super handy and you yeah. can sneak anywhere. Yeah, it's yeah, really covert op audio engineering. I love that. That's yeah. pretty sweet. What new projects do you have in the works other than that? What else is new for you? Well, I just uh, finished uh, mixing a project for Taylor Hawkins, who plays drums oh, yeah. for Foo Fighters. And mm -hmm. that album is coming out. Uh, it's so good. And it's just star studded. Um, so I'm excited about that. Awesome. I've got a band called A Deer, A Horse coming in and we'll track here uh, next week. And then, um, and then I'm going to be doing some, uh, a sample library with tune tracks uh, the week after that. Um, and then I'll be setting up, in the meantime, I'm setting up this mix room in my new place, which is just outrageous. And so I'll be doing mixing there too. Uh, but that's plenty enough. I'll be traveling to Europe for a couple months this year, and I'll be in Australia for a month in August and um, popping around the the globe um right on time yeah so I'm yeah. Just staying busy <laughs> yeah sounds like i'm sure you are yeah no for sure i'm excited to go to berlin i'll be there in the crowd watching when you uh, speak for loop this year yeah. and yeah it's gonna be a great time first berlin trip looking forward to it traveling some europe maybe maybe i'll do some covert op recording while i'm over there do it <laughs> yeah go to schneider's bureau there's a place called schneider's bureau okay which is the the most bizarre thing i i can't even you know i all i can say is it's like uh they sell euro rack synths and ooh, and ooh. and like the most unbelievable collection that they have up there they do workshops and they have parties and they have shows okay. and it's okay. it, it's upstairs in this building that you can't even believe that the people are actually inside it. It's so decrepit. Uh, and, you know, it's just covered with graffiti. And um, there's no marking to tell you where to go in or anything. And I don't know how we found it, but we it was like the most bizarre evening of my life. It was so great. <laughs> and um, so Schneider's Bureau, don't miss it. It's, okay. it's really great, great Schneider's thing. Bureau. Yeah, it sounds like a couple of places in Brooklyn I've been to before in my life where I was also a little concerned for my safety, but it <laughs> turned out turned out to be a great time. That's cool. Yeah, well, um, thanks for joining the podcast. I know you're busy. You've got things to do. Uh, I want to end this, this episode, though, by quoting you on something. This is a really good quote that I found the other day that I love. And uh, you said, music is emotion. Every song is an adventure into someone's soul, and it's my job to capture it. I love that. I love uh, that because I feel like that just summarizes like, you know, like you connect with the song, it's emotion and like seeing every approach to a project as an adventure into like somebody else's soul. I just find that like as a very freeing, open, creative, liberating way to approach music. So I love it. And all right. It's been my pleasure. For sure. Have fun with that mic collection. I'm expecting an awesome sample pack maybe to come out of it that I can download someday. Yeah. <laughs> All Appreciate right. It. Cool. Yeah. Take it easy. Okay, bye. All right, bye. This podcast is sponsored by LiveProducersOnline.com, a community of Ableton Live users connecting you to the pros to learn today's music production. 